0: Thank you tonight. We thank you for the Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us to give us good soil of hearts and minds and lives and help us by the Holy Spirit, Father, get locked in and focused on you. We're not gonna be distracted by anything, and that by the Holy Spirit our eyes are anointed to see, our ears anointed to hear. We have good soil of hearts and minds and lives open to the Word of God. And I thank you for speaking through me. Your Word is living seeds of truth sown in a good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit. And these seeds of truth will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, I thank you for helping us to remember uh, this sermon tonight, long term. And right now, also, the Holy Spirit, just the winds of the Spirit will carry this out. It will get everywhere it's supposed to go and accomplish what it's supposed to Anything that would try to hinder this, the birds of the air try to steal the seed, we bind up right now in Jesus' name. Anything of the enemy that would try to hinder this word, we break your power, we bind you in Jesus' name. You will back off. And Lord, I thank you for the angels just cleared away the hindrance. But we stand on the promise, the word will not return void. It will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about God using imperfect people. How many are imperfect people? (laughs) Quit pointing at your neighbor, okay? (laughs) But a couple things I want to open with at first. So number one, it's important to show proper respect Toward what God's doing and the people that he's using. But don't idolize people. That's a problem in America. Derek Prince said that he traveled all over ministering around the world. And he said that America really has a problem with this. They kind of idolize places and idolize ministers that God's using too much. And I would just remind you it's important to show respect. But you don't put people on a pedestal. Amen? Amen. And I think about Gideon's ephod. How many remember that story in the Bible where God used Gideon and, and then at the end of it, he, he put down a sheet and said, just throw like a gold ring or gold earring or something. But here's the problem. They all gave him like a love offering, how God used him. That wasn't the problem. The Problem was he made it into an ephod and people began to worship the ephod. And it was a snare. Now I'm gonna tell you this is this is very important. I'm gonna do my part as much as I can in this coming revival to, to go against that. But I'm gonna tell you, one of the things I feel God has shown me is this if we can get everybody's focus continually on Jesus. He said He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw everybody to me. But the more that we glorify Christ, so for example, we pray with people, whatever somebody's healed, somebody's delivered. Have them take time to thank Jesus for doing it. That way they're getting their focus off of any person that prayed for them. Because anybody could have prayed for them. Jesus is the one that healed them or delivered them. Amen. So the more that we can get people's focus on him. I remember one story Carlos Anacondia told in the Argentine revival. He had had a, a real intense move of the Lord, but he got into a particular place and here he is preaching and taking authority and praying like he always does. But there was, there was not enough going on. He felt it was hindered. And he was really asking the Lord, what's the problem? And God used his wife to tell him, Carlos, I really believe that the people here in this particular group of people are looking too much to you. And not enough to the lord so he got up and told everybody make sure you're looking to the lord and get everybody's eyes on jesus glorified jesus he's your source and when he did that the holy spirit really intensified what he was doing and god really started moving again so see that'll that'll hinder what god's wanting to do when we're we're getting our eyes off of jesus and onto a place or onto a, a church or onto people god's using too much It's one of the things I really respected when I saw Benny Hinn one time. He had gone to great lengths at the beginning of the crusade, his huge crusade in Dallas at the, um, you know, the convention center or whatever. And the very first thing when he got there was, you know, the Holy Spirit just fell hard. But he was telling people, if you're looking at me, you're probably not going to receive. But if you'll look up to Jesus tonight and reach out to him, to the hem of his garment, you can receive what you're here for. And he was saying, I couldn't heal a fly if my life depended on it. He said, Jesus is the healer. And he was trying to get everybody to get, get their eyes off him and onto the Lord. And God really moved in that place. And everything that was done, he kept glorifying Christ. Now, that's what needs to be going on. Amen? So let's make sure that we're pointing people to Jesus. He is your savior, healer, deliverer. He's the Baptized in the Holy Spirit. We can pray for you, but it is the Lord that is doing these things, and he deserves all the glory. So let me get into a few things tonight. I really wanted to take a little bit of time with this, and uh, then I want to pray with everybody. But 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. So God used the apostle Paul in an awesome way, as we all know, but he took time to to share this in second corinthians chapter 11 starting in verse 23 he talked about his suffering and he said the lord's grace is sufficient and the more that he boasted on his weaknesses and shared about his sufferings the more that god's power would rest upon him did everybody hear that that's interesting he said, basically, I'm paraphrasing, the more that I boast on my weaknesses, but showing proper respect, but don't idolize people. It's the first thing. Get everybody looking to Jesus. But the Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, and labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequently and death, deaths often. He said, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. And we read over these things and we really don't consider how bad this really was. I mean, he was beaten really badly here. Once he said I was stoned. Three times I suffered a shipwreck. A day and a night I was in the deep. In journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brothers, in weariness and painfulness, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, and in cold and nakedness. Besides the external things, the care of the churches pressures me daily, who is weak and I am not weak. Who is led into sin and I am not distressed. So you can see how Paul was going through a lot of suffering here. And man, it was just he was so tested in all of this. But yet God was with him and gave him a great, you know, testimonies and used him in an awesome way. But I want you to see that a lot of times we focus on when we look at things like revival history. We focus on the successes and the good, and we focus on the souls that were saved, but we don't think about a lot of times how much people suffered to see what they saw. And remember this, that you cannot get pure olive oil unless the olive is crushed. And you cannot get grape juice, you can't get the fruit of the vine without the crushing of the grape. You also, uh, through all that pressure, remember that diamonds are formed in pressure too so there is a crushing and a brokenness that we go through many times and so i really wanted to share a little bit about that to encourage you because i want you to see that god used imperfect people and he used imperfect churches imperfect groups of people that god saw through them god did mighty things but they were far from perfect and not only that but they went through a lot of suffering. How many feels like they've been through some things? So let's look at this. Don't give up just because you're going through a lot of suffering and a lot of discouragement. Please hear me tonight. It may seem sometimes that nothing is moving. You know that you've heard from God and you know that you're praying the will of God because you've heard from him and you know that. But yet it seems like nothing is moving. Sometimes it seems the spiritual warfare is unbelievable. My wife and I have been through things like that. Where it seemed like the warfare was unreal. It seems that support is not there. People that should be supporting you, standing with you. It seems like you've suffered Judas betrayals. It seems like maybe you've taken two steps forward just to get knocked three back. And maybe Satan has even used people to accuse you or lie about you or slander you. But don't give up and don't get discouraged. As many times the attacks that happen before blessing, it's a sign that something awesome is on the horizon. The greater the attack, the greater the blessing. So don't get discouraged. Sometimes there's such severe things that people go through, yet on the other side is a glorious testimony. So let's look at some of this in the scriptures. Peter denied Christ, but after he denied the Lord, look at Peter's life. He was used mightily. I mean, right after that, he was the one that preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved at one time. And we read about the incredible miracles and healings and he was used in an awesome way. Peter did not let his personal failure stop him from fulfilling his destiny in God. How many people feel like they've had some failures? They've had some areas in their past where they blew it, they messed up, they backslid or whatever, and God's not through with you just because you've made some mistakes, just like Peter, don't get discouraged because God's not through with you. The best is yet to come, okay? So there's, there's times that things may seem severe and times that you feel like that I've blown it. And I'm gonna tell you that a lot of times people that are humble, they may also struggle with feeling inadequate. But let me tell you, God uses imperfect people that are inadequate. He will use them in the greatest possible ways many times. I think about sometimes some of the people I've seen God use so mightily Have been people that you would have never thought God would use mightily. So let's look at some examples of what I'm talking about in history because now that we've gone through historic revivals, you guys are going to be familiar with these names. Had we not gone through it, you may not really know what I'm talking about. But you remember the first great awakening, John and Charles Wesley, these brothers. You remember how their father, people were so vicious toward that family. Remember that they stabbed the milk cow so it wouldn't produce milk. They tried to burn down their house. They almost killed John Wesley as a child. There was severe persecution against the family. But as John Wesley got older and he found the Lord through some Moravian missionaries that witnessed to him on a ship that he was afraid was gonna sink and he was gonna die. You remember the story. And at Aldersgate, his heart was strangely warmed. God opened him up to the gospel. Yet, we all focus on all the great things that happened through Wesley. His brother was the one that wrote the songs and sang, but John preached. We think about all these great successes. You know, We think about all the people that heard the gospel, all the people that got saved. But let me just tell you a little bit about some things he went through. John Wesley did not quit or give up. When he was kicked out of Oxford, he didn't quit when he was rejected by the church of his day. The Anglican church that his father was a minister rejected him because he was preaching the pure gospel. It wasn't about joining the Anglican church and being a good Anglican. He was preaching the gospel. And so the Anglican church persecuted him. Even his own father's church that he pastored years before didn't want him preaching there. He did not quit or give up because he was rejected by mainstream Christianity. He did not quit when he was rejected on the streets. He had to turn to the streets because the church would not receive his ministry. So he went around preaching on the streets, which is how the first great awakening happened was street evangelism. But let me tell you a few things you didn't know. John Wesley had to run for his life sometimes. Angry mobs chased him. There's stories of him having to run from a mob and jump into a body of water to escape violence. While he preached sometimes, people heckled him and threw rotten fruit and vegetables at him, even dead cats they would throw at him. He didn't quit. There were times when he preached that nobody seemed to accept his message. Other times he would preach and there was a great response. But he didn't let the times that everybody seemed to reject his message stop him. He was determined that he was going to keep going forward with God preaching the gospel. And one of the more difficult times John Wesley probably went through was at home a lot of his friends were getting married he felt like he needed to get married but he ended up marrying somebody that quite possibly maybe was the wrong woman for him see one of the things john wesley preached was in the methodist movement he believed that god could use women how many believe god can use women and so he allowed women to become preachers and be used of god which was relatively unheard of at this time well, the wife he married was insanely jealous. I mean, those jealousy will destroy a marriage? And she was really jealous of that, and she felt like he was cheating on her with these women, and that's why he was ordaining them or whatever. And she was really abusive toward him. In fact, there were some people reported they went over and saw her like trying to get him by the head of the hair and had him pulled down and was trying to drag him and yell and scream at him. She was even violent. She even stood up in some of the meetings where he was preaching or whatever and accused him in front of everybody of committing adultery, which he was not doing because she was jealous of these other women. See, a lot of people don't know all the horrible stuff that John Wesley really went through to preach the gospel. But John Wesley did not give up. And at the end of his life, he saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people get saved. He saw hundreds upon hundreds called into the ministry, and his ministry was a major part in the first great awakening that shook America and shook England. Isn't that awesome? He never gave up. He kept pressing through and letting God use him. Now, I think about Mariah Woodworth Eder. You know, I read some of her autobiography. She went through. Horrible difficulties. When she was a child, before she knew the Lord, when she was a child, her father had gone out working in the fields, collapsed, probably had a heat stroke, and he died. And then she had a sister that she really loved that passed away as well, and her heart was broken. She came to know Jesus, and later on she got married, but she felt a call into the ministry. But you have to understand that she felt because she was a woman that she could never actually go out and preach the gospel as a minister. And so she resisted that call. Not that she was being rebellious. She just felt like that it was impossible for her to do that, even though she felt the nudging within her to do it. So she got married, and her and her husband had a farm together. But out of the six children that her and her husband had, there was a plague that came through And five of them died. It broke her heart. Not only that, but her farm was not producing what they needed to survive. She also, during this time, um, her husband never got over those deaths. And it it really affected their marriage later on. But she ended up going into the ministry anyway, preaching the gospel, And what she would do is she would set up these tents and she would go into an area and as she preached, people would come and she would hold up her Bible and preach the gospel. And one of the signs and wonders that followed Mariah was that people would go into trances. They would fall down on the ground or maybe even standing, but they would go into like a trance. But when they came out of that, they were totally transformed. I mean, they would have some kind of an encounter with Jesus, but it was a very different type of thing than what was normal. And so the the newspapers would write up about her saying she's hypnotizing people. The religious community persecuted her, but she never gave up, she never quit. And I'm gonna tell you, there were people that did not accept her because she was a woman preacher, but she kept preaching anyway. She ended up in Oakland, California, which was probably the worst persecution that she ever had in her history of her ministry. And she went through so much persecution in Oakland that she said that they came and cut the the tent ropes more times than they could count. People would come there and just cut the ropes, the tent would collapse. A man that rented her the land made her move. People against her, listen to this one, people that were against her went to the mental institution. They got mentally ill people out of the mental institution, took them to the meeting and let them loose in the meeting to disrupt the meeting, which they did. There was a bunch of heathen that would be out there mocking her, they threw rocks, they threw uh, rotten food, dead animals. And during this time, her husband left her for another woman. So she went through all that persecution, but she never gave up, she never quit, And she kept on preaching the gospel. And God used her in extraordinary ways to the degree. I mean, you can read about it for yourself. I'm not going to go through her whole life story of ministry. But she saw a huge number of people saved, tremendous healings and miracles, and God used her in an awesome way. But the devil fought her. Also, F.F. Bosworth, you remember me talking a little bit about him, he was he's the one that wrote that famous book called Christ the Healer. And he was really impacted by John Alexander Dowie's ministry. Dowie was used in the late 1800s, and he ended up going to Zion, Illinois, kind of founding that city. But he, he saw tremendous healings. And, and he was an inspiration to many. Later on, Dowie got weird in his doctrine, but God really used him for a time. And F.F. Bosworth was really touched by God at a Dowie. He had great faith for healing. He ends up going to Azusa Street. Him and uh, John G. Lake and others were powerfully touched at Azusa. And F.F. F. F. Bosworth, think about this for a moment because this plays into it. At Azusa... Who was being used of God so mightily? Seymour and the blacks. Remember that? So F.F. Bosworth loved black people. Well, as he was coming out after Azusa, God really used him through like the 20s and 30s. He had powerful meetings. He would preach places. People were healed. He was a powerful preacher. But there was a time when he was asked by the blacks of an area to preach And this was during the time of segregation. After he ministered there and God mightily used him, there were some whites that found him and beat him and they thought that they had killed him, they beat him and left him for dead. And he almost died. He wrote a letter later to his mother and told her that he counted every wound as a badge for Christ and he didn't give up. He got up, he got healed of all that, he kept preaching the gospel And did you know God used F.F. Bosworth later on to be a spiritual father to T.L. Lowry? T.L. Lowry became a mighty man of God, a mighty preacher who became a spiritual father to Perry Stone. I'm just saying that to say that F.F. Bosworth left a legacy. He wrote that book, Christ the Healer, which is read by so many of us and was so impactful. But he left a legacy. He never gave up. As a matter of fact... He was used mightily by God in the days of William Branham. Um, F.F. Bosworth was getting older, and William Branham was just starting out as a young preacher, but F.F. Bosworth was with him to help him preach and minister and pray for people. And so he never gave up. He stayed all the way through that. Amen? Isn't that awesome? John G. Lake went to Africa as a missionary after God mightily touched him at Azusa took his wife and kids to Africa, but because of the poor area that they were at and his wife was continually laboring in the heat, they were constantly feeding all the poor. Basically, she ended up dying of just exhaustion and starvation. So he lost his wife in Africa, which is horrible, and he had to leave his kids as he went to England to raise money so that he could move his family back to America. And John G. Lake went through so much. And and God used him so mightily. I mean, he saw tremendous healings. He was the one that God had given him a revelation that the spirit of life would overcome the spirit of death. And he believed so powerfully. And and he was the one that, you remember the story I told you, that the bubonic plague broke out in Africa. And I mean, people were dying. It was a horrible disease. And it would afflict people like in the, um, the lymph nodes and glands. And, and people's bodies would shut down. And, and one of the, the signs of the bubonic plagues when they were dying, there was like a foam on the mouth. And, but John G. Lake was not afraid of the plague. And he, he believed God to heal people. And God did heal people. And he took he had some people take some of that foam from the mouth and put it on the palm of his hand. And they couldn't believe that he was doing this. They were like, are you crazy? Are you ask?" And he put his hand under a microscope and the people were shocked as they watched that plague die in his palm of his hand under a microscope. True story. And he came back to Spokane, Washington later on and he founded the healing rooms and there ended up being over, here, everybody listen to this, 100,000 documented miracles coming out of that area of Spokane, Washington. Even the mayor there recognized John G. Lake and thanked him for his influence there that brought healing to so many. He never gave up. He kept preaching the gospel and kept being used mightily by God. Amy Simple McPherson was married three times when divorce and remarriage was absolutely not accepted at all. Her first husband died though. Her second husband left her, desertion, left her because he didn't want to be in the ministry. The third husband she married was extremely abusive to her. And sadly, Amy Simple McPherson's own mother was very controlling and hurtful to her. She was even kidnapped. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was the mafia, but they kidnapped her for ransom. She suffered tremendous persecution from the religious community and from the world but yet she never gave up she kept preaching the gospel and people would come she she's uh she was used to build that anglicus temple i believe it was called if i remember the name right i'm sorry if i got it wrong but she built this powerful uh, church people become She would also preach illustrated sermons. She she was dramatic, and and people came from all over. And I mean to tell you, God used her so mightily, not only seeing a lot of people saved, but there was so many different, in that church she built, they found so many different stretchers and crutches, et cetera, of people that came there sick and left healed. Tremendous healings and miracles. She never gave up. As a matter of fact, there seemed to be something uh, historians have speculated that went from Mariah Woodworth Edder and it moved to Amy Simple McPherson. And then from Amy Simple McPherson moved over to Catherine Coleman. And then from Catherine Coleman, God really used her to be instrumental in Benny Hinn's ministry when he was just a young man. So there seemed to be some kind of an anointing that you could trace back to Mariah Woodworth Edder. But isn't it interesting that three out of the four I just mentioned were women preachers during a time that women preachers were not accepted. Isn't it interesting that God used William Seymour in a time when the Jim Crow laws were in, in place in a time of segregation when blacks were not accepted. God seems to take those that are rejected by man and use them the most mightily. He seems to take the people that have been through the most hurt, the rejection. They've they've been through so much in life, and God uses them in an extraordinary way. And even though these people I'm mentioning went through so much, they never gave up. And now we can read about how much God used them in the ministry and did tremendous things, but what if they had given up? And think about Catherine Coleman. A lot of people don't know her whole story. She was used so powerfully by God. In fact, I was just want to say this about Catherine. She's one of my favorite to look back over her life and read about it. She's one of my favorite ones, and, and God used her in my life as well. But I remember not long ago, this was maybe just two or three years ago, there was somebody I saw in the 700 Club. And think about what I'm saying. Around maybe 2019, 2020, somewhere in there, somebody I saw in the 700 Club, got a hold of one of her books back from she wrote on what back in the 70s okay just stumbled upon one of her books was reading through it the holy spirit came upon him and he got saved reading her book there was such an anointing on this woman i mean a tremendous anointing i met a lady thankfully you know this is closer in our lifetime that i actually could talk to some people And I remember there was a particular lady that I was talking to about, Catherine Coleman. And she was an older lady and she goes, oh, she was telling me I was at a church and I was just striking up conversation with this lady sitting next to me. And she said, I went to a Catherine Coleman meeting and I was healed there. She said, let me tell you my story. This was back in the 70s. And she was telling me this in the 90s. She said, you know, I went there and I was deaf in my right ear. And she said, I kind of went there with a bad attitude. She said, I was skeptical of what was going on. I didn't—I wasn't convinced it was God. She said, I went up, and, and there were so many people there. She said, I went in. I ended up having to go up in the balcony on the right-hand side, and I happened to be seated because I mean, you just had to get a seat where you could. She said, I happened to be seated by the speakers that were over here on this side. I was on the right-hand side. And I was sitting there and I was watching this lady and she comes out and she's real melodramatic. You know how Catherine Coleman was, if you've ever seen her, you know. And she's watching her. And at some point in the service, she said that Catherine was sitting there like she does and the, the organ's kind of playing quietly and she's the Holy Spirit is moving. And, and then she said that the, Catherine Coleman turned like this and pointed at her. And she said, just like this, she said, and there's somebody in the balcony right here that god is opening your deaf ear and she said right as she said that she said it was like if if you ever took a volume of a stereo and just turned it real fast where it got loud fast she said that speaker by her her ear just popped open and it scared her because all of a sudden everything was so loud in her right ear god totally healed her ear but then on top of that her attitude hadn't improved yet she's i know you would think but she said that she's looking down there and Catherine's saying if god has healed you come down and she thought well i really don't want to go down and not only that but she said there was these people that were all over the platform because Catherine would pray and they'd fall out under the power and she's she's telling me this she was really sweet lady she says i'm going down there and i'm saying to myself this little lady who weighs like a hundred pounds soaking wet is not going to push me down in front of everybody And so she goes down there and she's on the platform and Catherine's praying for people. And she said, the only thing I remember, (laughs) this is what she tells me, the only thing I remember is this frail little skinny lady turning to me like this. And she said, the next thing I know quite a while has passed and I'm opening my eyes and realizing I'm looking at the ceiling and ushers are helping me to my feet as I go back to my chair. But God used Catherine in an awesome way, but what a lot of people don't know, if you'll read her story, is that she was called into the ministry, and she went into the ministry as a young woman, but she ended up marrying the wrong guy. And this guy had left his wife, and she didn't, I don't think she initially even knew about it at first, but it left his wife, it was kind of an adulterous situation, she married him, and she was miserable. He was supposedly a minister, a preacher, but she would just sit there. Anyway, long and short of it, it didn't last. And she was brokenhearted about this whole thing because she felt like she lost everything. She lost her hopes and dreams. She lost her marriage. She lost the, the, the children she was going to have with him. She, and she lost the ministry she had had before because of all of that. And she tells her story. And she if you look her up, you can see a lot of this for yourself. But she said, people ask me, what will the anointing cost you? She said, I'll tell you, it'll cost you every single thing in your life. And she said, and she meant this. She said, I can take you to the place physically where Catherine Coleman died. There was some geographic place. I believe it had a stop sign, some kind of place she went to walk there. And it was, she said, it was where she met the Lord and she died. She said, Catherine Coleman died there that day. And the Lord called her back into the ministry and gave her a second chance. But the next time she went, now the real anointing, the real mantle came on her life. And she began to see the fullness of what she was seeing later on in life. God gave her another chance. What I'm saying is this. Don't ever think that because you've made mistakes in your past that God can't use you. Don't be surprised if God doesn't call you forth and anoint you in a much greater way than you ever had been before on the other side of all that, just like he did Catherine Coleman. Don't ever think because you've got sin in your past, because you've messed up, or because you've been through so many different things that God can't use you. God has always used imperfect people. I think about old Roberts. We all focus on the great stories of things that we've seen how God used Oral with all these tremendous healings and miracles that he saw. But yet what a lot of people don't realize is Oral Roberts' first son committed suicide. His daughter and son-in-law died in a plane crash. He was ridiculed by the wicked and the religious, his whole ministry. But yet Oral Roberts never gave up. He kept preaching those tent meetings. He kept seeing people saved and healed and delivered. He was used by God to pioneer in his day getting on the radio and getting on television. And especially getting on television was unheard of. He was one of the initial ones that broke through that barrier to bring the gospel through television. And people were healed through the television even in their homes. I think about A.A. Allen. You ought to read his story, get God's Generals, the first book, and read about A.A. Allen. To be honest with you, after reading everything and and studying stuff about A.A. Allen, people have said that his death was connected to something. um, After really looking into that, I'm not sure that that's true. I I don't want to get into it, but people said he died a certain way. I'm not sure that that's really true. Um, R.W. Shambach ministered with him and Shambach said this. He said all those things that people said about A.A. Allen, they said it not only was it not true, he said there was times that people accused him of stuff and Shambach said I was physically there with him and I can tell you that it did not happen. A.A. Allen went through so much ridicule persecution, scandals, lies being spread about him. Yet, A.A. Allen saw some of the greatest, of all the healing evangelists, O. Roberts, everybody that ministered, A.A. Allen saw some of the greatest miracles of all of them. But yet, he was persecuted the worst, I think. They all were persecuted, don't get me wrong, they all went through suffering, but A.A. Allen was really persecuted. He went from one scandal to the next scandal, one lie to the next lie, even his death. I'm not so sure about what they said about him. So just keep that in mind. And I think about even some people in our day. I think about how Toronto went through so much scandal and lies about them. And You know, Toronto was a tremendous move of God. Think about Benny Hinn. And all that he's had to endure. All the, the people that lied and try to stir up stuff about him. A lot of people don't know that Benny Hinn had a plane crash. That he had to carry his wife out of the rubble. And part of her arm had been cut very deeply. Here he is coming out of a plane crash. He survived the thing miraculously. Rodney Hard Brown. Man, you know, what what an anointing on that man of God. But he's paid a price for it, hasn't he? He's been ridiculed. But he also lost his daughter years ago. He was arrested. Of course, that ended up being a positive thing for him, I think, instead of a negative. What the devil meant for evil, God used for good because I think that that made people maybe didn't like him before, like him now, just because he got arrested standing for our religious freedom amen i'm serious that it actually improved things for rodney but he's been through horrible attacks i mean you guys don't know he he's been really persecuted and mocked and uh i think sometimes in his meetings he has a little bit of a rough exterior but you know if you had went through all that he's been through He don't, he's, God's turned that man into John Wayne. He don't take nothing off nobody anymore, you know, but it's because of all he's been through, but what an anointing, and I just honor him and appreciate him. He's been a real blessing to me as, as all of these that I read about, and so I just want to encourage you today, don't give up. You know, Mariah Woodworth-Edder went through all that persecution in Oakland, but when she got out of there, God used her in an awesome way. I mean, just continue to move in a mighty way. At any point in time, these people I'm reading about could have gotten discouraged and could have gave up, but they didn't. They kept going, and I think that that's what made them great. I really do. They could have shut down the revival. They could have quit but they kept marching on, just like Paul, the apostle Paul said, I'd been through all this stuff, but he never gave up all the way until his death. And God used him in such an awesome way. So if it seems sometimes, River of Life, that nothing's moving, don't be discouraged. When it seems like warfare is great, know that many times the attack comes before the blessing. When it seems like the support isn't there, that you've been betrayed and lied about, You've gone through so much. Just realize that there's a price for revival. There's a price for the anointing. We all want the move of God, but don't give up. Keep going forward because the best is yet to come. And if the devil is fighting you as much as he is, just think about the testimony that must be in front of you. If he's trying to stop something, he doesn't try to stop a person or a church unless they're a real threat. He's not going to waste his time. You understand that? The devil is, is limited in his resources. He's not going to waste his time. Sometimes I hear, you know, we've all grown up in church, and many of us anyway, and we've grown up around the, in old Pentecostal circles where they gave testimonies. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. And you hear, sister, so-and-so, the dev, devil's riding me all, all week, just riding me all week. And it's like, sister, the devil doesn't even know who you are. you know some some people god bless them there there might be some little bitty imp demon that's about this tall and just runs around messing with them every once in a while i guess but i mean the devil isn't going to attack and he's not going to send principalities and powers and any type of significant warfare unless you're a real threat but if you are a threat and you're going through real warfare like the real warfare realize that it's because satan is scared of what god's about to do and he's trying to stop it so don't be discouraged some of you that's that's listening this you may have really been through horrible warfare difficult times don't give up press through because the best is yet to come and don't ever feel disqualified That's grieved me, because I heard one preacher one time saying some things. I thought, man, you know, I don't think he realizes what he's... Listen, God does not disqualify people. If you're called, God wants to use you. Like Catherine Coleman, you may have made mistakes in your past. Let God forgive that, clean you up, restore you, and give you, just like Catherine Coleman, the best years in front of you, okay? If you feel so inadequate and unworthy, so what? What? God has used those type of people to do the greatest things in history. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Plow through and see what God has for you. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for this word tonight. We bless you. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to remember these things. We will not give up. We will not get discouraged. The devil may try to fight. But, Lord, the attack is before the blessing, and we know there's great things in front of us, tremendous things. Many times what the devil is meant for evil will turn around for our good and our testimonies, and it will bring the Lord great glory. And, Lord, I thank you for this word. Help us to remember this and help us to be strengthened by it. In Jesus' name we pray.